Love bombing. Yep. Manipulation. Check. Gaslighting. Uh-huh. Wow. I guess we really weren't the only ones. You got that right. Welcome to The X-Files, a new spinoff of Ex-Wives Undercover. Now we're sharing your stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but more importantly, we stand together. This podcast includes discussion around sex addiction, domestic violence, stalking, physical violence, and suicide. Please acknowledge that this content may be difficult. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. Season 4, Episode 5, The Worst Ever. This happened faster than I thought. The day after I found out I'm pregnant, he gets a DUI. I'm livid because I warned him. Plus, how are you going to be so stupid like this when you're 37? Get your shit together. It seems he has an alcohol problem. (laughs) Many of your big blow-up fights was when he was drunk. Has Mm -hmm. he ever acknowledged the issue that he needs to get some help or volunteered to maybe get his drinking under control to save your relationship? No, it's everybody else's fault. I said, let's get this done, taken care of before the baby gets here. So he had to have a breathalyzer in his truck and different stuff. And it was supposed to be done by November 4th, my due date. They got him sentenced and everything was done. And I said, okay, so they gave him like, so he it was not as bad as it was supposed to be. He was gonna have to serve two nights. And I kept asking him, what are the dates? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, but I'm going to be nine months pregnant at that time. Oh, well, we'll think about it then. And all he was concerned about was getting the breathalyzer out of his truck. And I remember the day he got it out, he walked in literally with a beer in his hand. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Did you not learn anything here? There was never to this day an acknowledgement if he drank too much. Never. It did not matter what happened. He never drank too much. Summer rolls around and we know it's a girl. We start talking about different names and I start turning our spare room into her room. This was so exciting and this pregnancy was so different than my first. We were older, more established now. And I really got to pick out things I wanted. Have a shower like I didn't get to the first time. Go shopping, all the fun stuff. But as quickly as it was exciting, there was a shift in Justin's personality. Soon after I found out I was pregnant, he started making comments like, this really isn't what I wanted, or accusing me of getting pregnant on purpose, and that he was never on board with it. It seemed like any excitement we had together shifted, and it was like, I was the only one that was excited. Our son was excited. Um, And he would make these weird comments like, I did it on purpose. Like, I was, like, this wasn't a team decision. (laughs) It was just something I decided to do. And it seemed so bizarre to me because at first he was like he was with our son. He was excited. He wanted everything to do with picking out the name. And then all of a sudden he even made a comment one night, like, I don't care what you name her, name her whatever you want. And it's like, what do you mean name or whatever I want? It's not like it's a dog we're getting or, you know, a hamster. This is our child. (laughs) So... No, I think this should be something we pick out together, but it's just, it was like there was zero involvement. And all of a sudden, very quickly, I felt like I was 
going through it alone and like I was almost a single mom that was pregnant by myself. As August arrived, so did Hurricane Harvey. I was terrified. In all my years in Texas at this point, I'd never experienced a hurricane, let alone at seven months pregnant. We went to our friend's home who wouldn't really be impacted by it like we would. But after being there for a day, they realized the worst had probably come already, so we headed home. And as we were driving home, he was telling me that he was making plans to go watch some UFC fight at Buffalo Wild Wings that night. Red flag. First off, he doesn't give two shits about UFC. And second, the storm could still be serious and you're going to leave us? We got into the biggest fight about it and he still left. And guess what? The storm did get that bad. It flooded all around us and he couldn't even get home to us until the next day. Halfway home from our hour and a half drive home, they're saying, oh, just kidding. The weather's gonna get really bad. And it was strange because even while we were there, he was like pushing for us to get home so bad. And it's like, well, what do we really need to be at home for? Like, we're still safe. Like, we're with a bunch of people. We're having a good time. Like, let's just stay here a little bit. And he was just adamant about getting home. What happens if this gets worse? And at this time, guess what? He still had the breathalyzer in his truck and he shouldn't have even been out doing anything like that. And so, it was an argument and he went anyways and I kept calling and telling him, you have to get home. They're starting to close the roads around us because Harvey's like, this isn't done. What they thought was done behind us, it's worse. And he refused to come home. He told me I was crazy, was telling me how he's just with some guys and just to calm down. And he never came home that night. One, because the roads got so bad and were flooded. And two, because he was gonna prove a point to me that, you know, he's the boss around here and that I don't question him and whatever he says goes. From August until the end of the year, he was gone every single weekend. Different excuses. He was fishing with his ex-stepdad. He was going here or there. He would have our son with him a lot of the time, so I didn't think anything of it. I was used to him being gone a lot since he was involved in rodeo stuff and it typically took place on the weekends. I would always know where he was going in advance. And all of a sudden from literally that next week and on after Harvey, so mid-August, literally up until the end of the year, through the birth of our daughter, he was gone every single weekend. And it could have been because of rodeo stuff. And then he would say he was going fishing with one of his ex-stepdads. Then there was people at work he was doing stuff with, which really wasn't him either. Oh, I got invited to so-and-so's brother's bachelor party in Louisiana. That's strange because you've been invited to bachelor parties before and you think they're stupid. But now all of a sudden you're gonna go and you're gonna miss a big birthday party for our friend's dad and you're refusing to go with me and that's something it was just always an excuse why he had something better to do when the stuff he was backing out on was stuff he would have never missed before. I could tell that my labor had started, so I made my way to the hospital to get checked out and make sure everything was going okay. We're going to send you home the rest of the night and you have to be on bed rest. And then you'll come back to the hospital in the morning and we will monitor you at the hospital all day. Well, he was working nights and he could give a shit anyways. I told him what was going on and he basically just told me that I was being dramatic and 
basically he was making it sound like I was making all this bigger and more than it was. And like, who cares? So I came home that night with our son and he was the sweetest thing. He's like, just go through a drive-thru and get us food, mom. And I laid on my bed and I ate and I my heart was so sad. And he, this sweet little six-year-old was constantly coming in, rubbing my belly, checking on me, seeing if I needed anything. When I had to get up to the bathroom, he was like holding my hand and walking me to the bathroom, just making sure I was okay. But it was so sad because I remember having a conversation with my mom that night. She's like, this little boy is acting more like a man than his father is. And he is being this little man to you who doesn't even have to be, that doesn't even understand everything. So when that happened, I was already getting nervous about how this labor was going to go. When her daughter was born, he was the absolute worst. She came nearly two weeks early. He slept the whole time in the delivery room. He barely wanted to hold my hand and help me push. He wouldn't even cut her cord. All this was just so weird to me. He was opposite with our son when he was born. He just kept using an excuse how he didn't feel well. His allergies were acting up. I felt so alone and embarrassed. The day I actually went into labor, he was supposed to go to the county for a two night stay so that his DUI stuff was taken care of. I told him, you cannot go, I'm in labor. So they met with the judge, they sent him home, let him reschedule it. I had everything packed and ready to go and I was so excited this time because I remember with my son, us being younger and at a different place in life, I was so excited this time and I had everything I wanted. I had everything I needed. I had everything prepared and ready. So I'm telling him, here's the car seat, here's her bag, here's my bag. And he gets to the hospital and he has our son with him, which our friend picked him up and was ready to keep him overnight. We had a plan with our friend. She was gonna keep him. She was going to take him to school the next day. Well, he brings him to the hospital. I'm like, well, he's really here for the delivery. You know, they don't let kids in the room for all that. And it was like, if our son couldn't be there, he didn't want to be there. And our son's like, well, I was just staying in the corner when like the baby comes out. And they're like, no, sweetie, you can't. So as soon as he left, Justin just sat over on the window bench and acted like he had this horrible cold or sinus issue. When it comes time to push and they said, I'm ready, he kept his sorry ass over on that window bench, never came over and held my hand, rubbed my arms, nothing. I remember how involved he was with our son when he was born. I mean, he was like on Facebook doing updates when our son was born, like epidurals and it's gonna be this much longer. I mean, and he was holding my hand and he's telling me how great I was and he was taking pictures and was like truly my partner. Well, this time I was like, who is this person? This is a 180. They are telling him, hey, you need to come over here. And he's like, well, I don't feel good. And they're like, it doesn't matter if you feel good. Your wife is in labor. And I remember the nurse, she looked at me and she's like, girl, I've done this for over 25 years. And that has to be the worst husband I have ever seen. I remember feeling so excited because I just, this baby is now on my chest. And, but then feeling so let down It's like, how did you just behave like that? How did you just go through eight hours here in this room and then watch me for 30 minutes push this baby out? 
And then you just went right back to your business like nothing ever happened. She was born at 4 a.m. So later that day when they moved to our recovery room, he was a little bit better, but not much. He would take our son home that night and I stayed with the baby. I remember texting him and telling him how blessed I felt and how my heart felt so content. Our family was content and I love you. He never responded. I sent him another text later that night after looking at her in awe. This is probably like the most hurtful part of any of it. I was looking at her because he has very unique ears <laughs> and our both of our kids have big ears. And I remember looking at her left ear and I'm like, oh my gosh, her left ear is just like his. And then I was looking at her left foot and I was looking at her toenail. I was going, oh my gosh, her left toenail is like his. It doesn't grow out. It looks like it grows up. And so I texted him and I said, my heart is so full. Our, like, our family is complete. I love you so much. And he never responded to anything. And so I waited a little bit longer and then I sent him another text. And I said, her, all the features on her left side are just like you. I said, it's so cute. She's just like her dad. And his response back was, oh, so she really is mine. Did he ever ask you for a paternity test? Did he take it that far ever? Oh, and he literally, I remember thinking, well, that's a bizarre thing to say because where would this come from? When would I have done this? Like who, what, where, when, why? Like what? It was yeah. just crazy to me. Did you and put a tiger so on him? No, nope. me a tiger. Nope. I did. I know. No, I didn't. I'm irritated. I know. I did not do anything. I ordered my dinner, and I the World Series was on, and I watched the World Series. And I fell asleep with the baby in my arms. He ruined such a beautiful moment. What a pos! And there were so many times in the beautiful moment when she was born that it's like it killed you just to be a human. We went home the next afternoon. On our first day home, he decided to be outside the whole evening. He never once checked on me or the baby. Dinner came around and I asked him what we should all do for dinner and he sent me into town to pick up a pizza. I loaded up my six-year-old and my one-day-old baby and picked up a fucking pizza. I got into bed that night and I cried. I felt alone. I couldn't wait for my mom to get here from California. I can't believe he really had me pack them up to pick up dinner and he couldn't do anything to help. It's just mind-blowing. I mean, mm -hmm. it had to have been just so many emotions. Just hurt, embarrassed, enraged. It was you heartbreaking. Know, it was just, heartbreaking. Yeah. I thought that this time would be so different. And I had a vision in my head of what I thought it was going to be. And it was literally the complete opposite of anything it was supposed to be. And it was so so sad to me because it was like just come in with our family like I remember being outside and it's like can you please just come in like we have this new baby and just cuddle her and cuddle me and it, it's like he just wanted no part of anything to do with me while you were pregnant and he was gone every weekend was he still you know acting somewhat normal where, where you felt like your relationship was solid like 
You know what I mean? So for him to be so aloof, was he still kissing you, hugging you, or just being affectionate in any way? So kind of when the baby was born and everything sort of went sideways, does that Uh, make sense? Like, was it like a huge shock? I don't remember anything in that time that stuck out that I was like, oh, he doesn't want to touch me because he was still touching me, still, you know, acting like nothing was, nothing was wrong. It was just the fact that he didn't want to do anything with us. And I had no reason to think anything was going on because there wasn't anything popping up that could lead to anything. But it was just strange to me that things we would always do as a family that we would go to together, that he wanted no part of it. He was just like separating himself from us. His behavior got more and more strange until the end of the year, still constantly gone and just seemed like he didn't even care times he should have been with us for family stuff and he would just find an excuse and then turn it into a fight so that he could get out of it. His parents finally decided to sit him down. They didn't tell him I was going to be there. We all started asking him what was going on. Is there someone else? Are you not happy? Are you on drugs? What is it? He denied everything and ended up blowing up and took off. Once you get past that six weeks postpartum, I lost so much weight after I had her and I felt so good. I'm like, man, I'm like way thinner than I was when I first had her. I was still like negative six pounds. I didn't gain a single pound with her. And man, I was like feeling myself. And I remember putting on something one night. I was like, look how thin I am. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And he just like brushed me off. And I remember even when we had a moment in our room together for the first time after the postpartum stuff, And it was strange to me that somebody that should have gone that long without anything, um, how long it was lasting. (laughs) And I even made a sarcastic comment to him. I said, have you been screwing around with somebody? Because why is this taking you so long? (laughs) Uh, Red flag, red flag. Major red flag. Mission abort. (laughs) Mission abort, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. He looked at me like, are you crazy? I was like, just a question, because if it's been this long, six weeks, like, buddy, uh -uh. 30 seconds. Men are so (laughs) dumb. They don't think that we would catch those types of things. But let me tell you, for any men that are out there, yes, we do. They're so patterned. I know. They are so patterned that as soon as they don't do their usual, it's it's so obvious. Yep. Like, come on. So they staged this intervention and they basically just sit him down and, you know, what is going on with you? You know, you're not engaged with your family. You have this beautiful family, you have this beautiful baby, you have this woman by your side. You can have, you have everything anyone would ever want. What is going on with you? You know, it's close to Christmas and it's like something's off. Anything you would typically do with them, you're blowing them off every chance you get. You're gone all the time. If you're not gone, you're looking for a reason to be gone. Like I remember one night we got into an argument and he said he was going to Walmart to go get some socks and underwear that all of his had holes in them. And guess what? He never came home that night. So like things like that were brought up. Christmas was just a week away. The baby's first Christmas turned out really good and we had a great day together. He started spending more time with us through the month of January, but come February, he was acting strange again. I was still questioning him on why he never posts about the baby, never announced it, never posts pictures of all of us in the family. His response was always that I was a dumb bitch who was petty and I needed to get a grip. 
Around April and May, I started getting suspicious. I started putting more and more together because of Facebook and Instagram. I had definitely noticed a certain girl, but when I questioned him about her, she suddenly had me blocked after that, and he had no idea why. Around the same time, he was constantly accusing me of cheating on him with my boss, comical, because my boss was old, short, and definitely unattractive. Every instinct I had at this point was like up. I was on high alert. Um, I was hopeful because for about a month, things did get better. I remember we had a babysitter one night, we went out for a friend's birthday, and I thought it was strange because we saw somebody we knew and she's like, and I didn't know her well, but she's like, oh, I didn't know you guys had a baby. I'm like, yeah, she's only three months. Well, that's why, because he never acknowledged her birth on any social media. And this is a guy that lives on social media. Never acknowledged her being born, never posted any pictures of her. Of course, never posted any of all of us together. I remember we went out of town together, our whole family, and we had a great time on our little weekend trip. And it kind of thing, seemed like things were looking up, but then by March, the suspicions were definitely rising. I started paying attention to other stuff. And that's when I started doing some of the Facebook stalking and digging at girls' profiles. The reason I really started digging into one girl is because we got into an argument one night and I saw his, he was in our son's room watching TV with him and I saw his phone on the ground and I saw a Snapchat come in with a girl's name. And I said, who is that? And I could get a glance at it. And it said something like, are you okay? And I was like, who is that? Oh, it's so-and-so. I said, no, it's not. He just had something recently posted with his Snapchat. That's not a Snapchat name. And I went back and I was so crazy. I went back and screenshot it. I showed it. I said, see, this is his name. That's not him. And he was trying to cover up who it was. And from that point forward, it was like radar. I mean, that's when I really started digging in this girl more and questioning him more and more about her. And I always laugh because I've heard somebody say more so on Instagram than Facebook, but it's always the trolls and the horrible people that always have something about Jesus in their bio. And sure enough, she has something about Jesus in her bio. And I was like, this dirty fucking whore. <laughs> you good for nothing, bitch. <laughs> dying, sorry. <laughs> Me too. I muted, but I was dying too. Because it's so true. I really feel. <laughs> Why do people use religion as a cover? I know. Man. Uh, I'm like, oh, is Jesus proud of you? Right oh, nail on the head, you. sister. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Give away, people. Don't do that. You push it too hard, we know you're a whorebag or like you're screwing somebody else's husband. Just be normal. Just don't push yep. it so hard. Don't push yep. the religion card. Oh my gosh. Now you had found other women previously and you never oh. stuck to, you know, you kind of just dropped it essentially and mm -hmm. didn't dig in deeper. Um, but this one you were zoned in like, what the fuck? I'm going to get down to this. So this is when a huge fight ensued with Justin over this girl. Mm -hmm. I knew there was every fiber in my body was like, he's fucking her. They have something going on. And the other girls I find stuff, there was nothing. I never found anything more. And I knew it would just be an argument of him turning it around. And so I didn't push it, but with something with this girl, nothing about it felt right. 
Um, I remember looking into stuff more and more. And I thought it was interesting when I called him, I'd asked him a couple of times, who is she? Oh, it's my friend's cousin. She, she's nobody. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And then when I asked, when I finally asked something else about her, mysteriously after that, she had me blocked. Over time, he was even more and more distant. I finally just lost it. I called him out and it turned into a huge fight. He choked me and hit me, of course. This time I tried to defend myself. After that, I immediately called the police. But guess who ended up being taken to jail? Me. The person who had never been in trouble before. Barely even a speeding ticket. You're supposed to go to his niece's kindergarten graduation. And he changed his mind and decided he didn't want to go. And there was something about it that it was like, here we go again. For months you blew off everything we needed to do. This was your first niece. You are so close with her mom. Like, why are you being such a piece of shit? I'm livid because it's, I feel like I'm reliving what I went through just months previously. And I thought we were past this. So this big fight, we get in one another's face. And at this point, it's like, you know what? I'm going to prove a point. I'm going to call the sheriff's on him. We asked the detective what the typical protocol was on a domestic violence call. And this is what she had to say. So typically, if we get a domestic violence call, at least in our state, it is a two officer minimum response. So that automatically allows us to have two people going and we will always separate the two parties. I like to not only get out of earshot, but like around the corner or upstairs, downstairs, one outside, to also to get them just completely away from each other so they can't hear or see each other. So that's kind of step number one. Usually on the way to the call, we will ask our dispatch for the premise history. Now that means um, there's gonna be a recorded history of calls that have been made to that address or associated with the address that we're going to. And our dispatchers should read us the premise history and say, hey, there's a history of domestic violence or there's a history, you know, a, a barking dog last week or something. So it will give us an idea of kind of what we're working with. If there are names associated with the address, dispatch should run those names. Now, they are not going to run a complete criminal history. They're going to do like a warrant check and they can do a, a complete criminal history if we ask them to, but that is not standard protocol. Well, I call them and they show up and, you know, they're both pretty much saying, well, I don't see any marks on you. I don't see any marks on you, but when we come in cases like this and it's, he said, she said, we have to take both of you, but, and right away, as soon as they said that I'm freaking out because I had never been in trouble a day in my life. <laughs> I have a baby that's seven months old, six and a half, seven months old. And so I told him, I was like, you can't take me, I have a baby. And he's looking at me like, he said, ma'am, be quiet. I'm trying to work with you. Anyhow, I was still freaking out because of my child and I did not keep my mouth shut. I was the lucky one that got to get away for the night. I've called the police, Athena's called the police, and they're so good that the police kicked us out of our homes when we were the ones calling. <laughs> You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because mm -hmm. they are just so smooth and 
I remember one of our listeners were saying like, it's so frustrating that you end up looking like the crazy biatch because <laughs> you're getting more flustered and more pissed. Yeah, and we're emotional. Yeah. Yes, we're emotional. and they're calm, cool, and collected. Yeah. Is there any type of training to kind of pick up on those type of personalities, like narcissists and cluster B type people, especially in this day and age with all the dirty Johns and all the podcasts and the TV shows about these type of criminal? I will tell you there, unfortunately, there is no specific training. And basically how that situation is handled is typically going to be whether or not that officer is experienced or not. So I can tell you there's going to be a huge difference of me going to a domestic violence scene versus a two-year officer, right? Because they just haven't seen enough domestic violence situations to really understand the dynamics. However, we are trained to talk to each person. And I mean, whether that be I'm talking to one person and my partner's talking to somebody else and kind of compare stories. In our state, domestic violence calls, if there is a crime, we can determine it's a you shall arrest. I, I can think of a specific one where in that case, things had gotten so out of hand, the female was arrested, but I knew that there was something wrong. And I later got a call and she wanted to talk. And even after being arrested, we were kind of able to determine that maybe in that specific situation, she was kind of the primary aggressor, but it was also um, in combination with her history with this person and that it was pent up, you know, just over time. And she was actually the real victim. And we were kind of able to see through that. So sometimes it just takes a little bit more work and follow up with officers and um, being and us being open to listening, actually listening to people and doing a little bit deeper dive into what's actually going on. After this, I was done. My baby was six months, my son was seven, and enough was enough. This happened to fall the Friday before Mother's Day weekend, too. It was an eye-opener. I started looking for a place to go. I could do it on my own, but it would be tight. And about two weeks later, we end up having this heart-to-heart conversation. We were both crying. And it seemed like he was trying to be honest, but I knew in my heart he still wasn't being fully honest. I was still questioning who this girl was. He insisted it was nothing. He swore up and down he didn't know why she blocked me and that he doesn't even talk to her. He was crying. He seemed remorseful. I felt like I was hopeful, but I kept bringing up this girl. I'm like, I don't believe that this chick is as innocent as you are making her out to be. She is somebody, she is something. And he kept telling, I don't know why she blocked you. I don't know. I don't talk to her. How would I know that? And it's like, well, she had no reason to block me. I don't talk to, I, I've never said anything to her. Like this girl does not know me from Adam. So this had to come from somewhere. And he swore up and down, there was nothing between them. The first week of summer, our son was gonna be gone with a family friend that week. So we had a nice little drive, four hour drive. We split the driving. And we were having a great trip together, just driving the babies in the back. And as soon as I get in the passenger seat, I kid you not, he only had to be driving for five minutes. I glance over and he's messaging her on Instagram. And I could see it clear as day. I'm like, why are you talking to her? If you don't know this girl, 
why are you talking to her? And he's giving me every bullshit reason there could be. And that's it. I told him, I said, that's it. This is done. You told me all this stuff the other day that you've never even spoke to her, that she's just so innocent, that it's just your friend's cousin, but yet you're messaging her. This week could have been so helpful to us with just having the baby. You and I could really focus on us. And now I said, it's fucking done. Like, that's it. That's all there is to it. I had a trip planned to California in two weeks with the kids. And as soon as I got back, I would be going full steam ahead. The whole time the kids and I were gone, he was sending me texts about how much he missed me or saying it was nice talking to me after I would hang up from our son talking to him. I kept my word. And when I got back... I did everything I could to search and find a place to move to. I got ready to put down a deposit and realized I didn't remember seeing a washer-dryer hookup at the house. I contacted the landlord and lo and behold, I was right. There wasn't. With a seven-year-old and a new baby, I knew this wouldn't work. I had to let that place go and look for something else. And as soon as I got back from California, it was game time. I was going to find somewhere to go. I was going to file for custody I was going to do everything but in that meantime in that next two weeks it was kind of like survival mode I remember going on the trip and having a blast and talking to my friends talking to my family and everyone was encouraging me and telling me how great I am you know when I get back to be strong and just to go forward with everything here we go as soon as you feel me getting further and further apart you feel like you gotta like Reel me back in. From the beginning of the story, when we talked about your mother and your father's relationship and how that light bulb went off and she was just like ready to be done. It really reminded me of this part of the story with you and Justin, how you realized, whoa, I could do this. You had this inner strength and thank goodness the timing was perfect with that visit to California, right? To give Mm -hmm. you extra encouragement. But you do come back, you had found a place, but mm-hmm. you find out there's no washer and dryer hookup, which is mm-hmm. a no-no for <laughs> children. I totally get that. <laughs> While that's happening at the same time, I know Justin's pouring it on thick. So what was the thing that really pushed you to stay and not follow through with finding your own place? Um, I think I was... I felt like defeated in a way and me going back to the way I was raised so strong in Christianity and faith. It was like, well, maybe this is God just telling me to like stay right now. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. And there was a part of me deep down that I really wanted to have my whole family. Like I wanted my family together. I was pissed off at him And I felt like I was done, but then I still had that side of me that was sad about it. That weekend, I had a sister's baby shower. I really didn't want to go, but I went. I wasn't there long before I was feeding the baby on the couch, scrolling through Instagram. A girl at the baby shower had Justin on her social media. And as we were scrolling through the feeds, we see Justin with that specific girl who had blocked me, and they were together out the night before. This was a weekend he was supposed to be gone at the rodeo. I switched Instagram pages to a different one that I had access with so that I could see her page. Yep, sure enough, they were all together. I had smoke coming out of my damn ears. So at this point, if you want to be with her, that's fine. But fucking admit it and admit you have been talking to her since March when I first questioned you about her. 
what? Like, I didn't know he was friends with her and her boyfriend like that. This is interesting. So the first thing I did was click over to my company page and check out the girl that I'd been suspecting. And sure enough, connect the dots, they were all together. And it, to me, it was like, bingo. This was everything I wanted to find. The cream was finally to the top, like, here it is. But fuck him. I was like, that's it. It was like, it was, it was that moment that something clicked that weekend. I could not stay at the baby shower and be around his family with all of this going on. I leave and I call him. And of course, he accuses me of being crazy and that he has no idea what I'm even talking about. It was the normal lingo. So I decide to message her. Next week on The X-Files. It was like, oh shit, we've been caught. Do you think maybe this girl is with him? You hear stories of this all the time. How the fuck did this just happen to me? Everything that she said started adding up and adding up. It literally made me sick that it was like, I cannot believe all of this has been going on behind my back. I always wanted to be the best mom. I never wanted my kids to turn into adults and have scars like I had. I couldn't get past it and I tried for so long. It's like, what am I investing everything for when you don't even care about your family? Hey, X-Fans, if you haven't quite got your full fix of X-Wives Undercover or The X-Files, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group. Make sure to also follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review.